0: You know, the entire Bible from start to finish, Genesis to Revelation, is all about Jesus. Entire Bible is about Jesus. Um, it's his story. But within his story, he has chosen to include the stories of lots of different men and women. We see them, you know, interspersed all throughout Scripture. Sometimes they're nameless, uh, but sometimes they have a name. And, and we get to hear a little bit about the person, some, uh, maybe a character trait about them, maybe a success that they had, sometimes a failure that they had. For some reason, God has chosen to take broken humans and write them into his story. For example, in Hebrews chapter 11, we're given a whole list of names. We sometimes call that the Hall of Faith. And we read about people like Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Samson and David and Gideon. And we're told that they did some pretty incredible things like they subdued kingdoms and they worked righteousness and they obtained promises and they even stopped the mouths of lions. That sounds cool. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They became valiant in battle. They turned to flight the armies of the enemy. We get a a list of people and then we get a short description of their accomplishments. But today I want to look at a woman with a rather unique introduction and in contrast to what we see in Hebrews chapter 11 her tagline doesn't necessarily seem like something that we should admire her tagline does not feel like a great achievement and it could almost seem derogatory or might like maybe the bible is like my kids would say throwing a little shade at this gal okay And so we're going to look into her story and see what we can learn from it. Luke chapter 8 and verse 1. We'll see who we're talking about here. Luke 8 and verse 1. Who is this woman? It says, Now it came to pass afterward that he, the he here being Jesus, went through every city, every village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12, his 12 disciples, the men, were with him and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. Verse 3, and Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about the life of this woman that we're introduced to called Mary Magdalene. Now, normally, when we think about Jesus moving around from town to town, village to village, we think about his entourage and we think mainly about the men. We know that he had chosen. 12 men to kind of join his staff and then many others began to follow along as well but sometimes we overlook the women who played a big role in the ministry of jesus many of his disciples were women and today we're told about one of them named mary now it's an honor to get your name in the bible how many think it would be cool to have your name in the bible it's a pretty big honor, right? Not, not everyone has experienced that. So it's a big deal to get your name in the Bible. But this Mary, her name is in the Bible over 12 times. She is actually talked about more than some of the apostles. So this is a really, really big deal. But I'm thinking, if I get to be mentioned in the Bible, I kind of want to get to choose a cool tagline. Right? I mean, like David the handsome. <laughs> I, something, right? You, you, if it's good, if you're going to say something about you. Like Abraham. Abraham had some issues. But he's called the father of our faith. But this Abraham, he also lied and put his own wife in jeopardy. But it doesn't say, Abraham, liar. <laughs> Abraham, we, we celebrate Abraham. Or how about David David is a guy who messed up big time. He, he committed adultery, and he had the woman's husband killed. But when we read about David, we go, Oh, David, a man after God's own heart. Hey, well, how come we don't put creep in there? Right? I mean, you think if, if you're going to get to choose your own tagline, it would be something better than what Mary gets. Mary gets this. Mary, here's her tagline, out of whom had come seven demons. Lord, isn't there something else about Mary we could talk about? I mean, the scripture says right here that Mary was very generous. In fact, it was this Mary and some of the other generous ladies who were helping to finance the ministry of Jesus. So why couldn't we introduce Mary Magdalene like this? Mary Magdalene, a generous soul. How many think that sounds good? It sounds good. Or how we could go down home with it. How about this? Mary Magdalene. She's loaded. How about this? Mary Magdalene. Money bags. Something, right? I mean, something better than Mary Magdalene, out of whom he's cast seven demons. Surely we could come up with something else. But for some reason, God wants this said about Mary. And it's not just said once. It's said several times. We're in a series here at Crossroads called Mistakes I've Made, Lessons I've Learned. Mistakes I've Made, Lessons I've Learned. And thus far in this series, we've looked into the Bible and we found some of the great heroes of our faith. They've done some awesome things for God, but then those same people have made some really, really big mistakes. One of the most difficult things I think for you and I to grasp in this life is that sometimes we are going to do some really good things that would even surprise our mother-in-law. Come on, somebody. Right? Like, whoa, how do you do that? That must have been an accident. He must have fell into that wind, right? There are going to be some times in our lives where we nailed it. We got the W. We made the right choice. We showed that we were a person of character and honor, and our mamas would be proud of us. But here's the bitter truth. Everyone in this room, I'm going to look at all of you it's going to take a minute everyone in this room there is going to be a time in your life and mine where we mess up royally we use the wrong words we said the wrong thing it came out of our mouth we couldn't stop it we we hit send too quickly we signed that contract we said yes when we should have said no there are choices that we make that will make us so ashamed of our mistakes and I'm not trying to bring anyone down or speak something negative over your life but listen to me sunshine if you live long enough you're gonna make some mistakes we all are but here is the hope we're finding in this series That God is so good that he not only redeems our souls, but he can even redeem our mistakes. And if he can take the broken people in the Bible and do something beautiful with their poor choices, there is hope that he can do something in us broken people too. Can you say a hearty amen this morning? Thank you, sir. All right, so thus far in this series, we've looked at people that made mistakes, and we've said this, when we make mistakes, we don't make excuses. say that again. When we make mistakes, we don't make excuses. We don't need to shift blame. We need to own our own mistakes. We're a church that believes that. We live in a culture that is addicted to blaming somebody else. But in our church, when we make a mistake, we don't make excuses. We own it. Wasn't someone else? Can't blame my wife. Can't blame my kids. It was me. I messed up. Let's get free right here in front of God and everybody, and let's just say this together. Somebody say, "It was me." Go ahead. It was me. More than once. <laughs> it was me. Both times. It was me. All the times. It was me. A thousand times. Isn't it just freeing just to say, you know what? I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna take this and put it on anyone else. I'm going to say, it was me. And in the first three parts of this series, we've had an it was me type message every week. But today I do want to shift in our approach. Not that we're shifting blame, but I want to look at another side of this diamond. I want to look at another facet of this truth. And today I want to look at how the mistakes of others might be impacting our lives. The mistakes of others. I'm not taking my blame and putting it on someone else, but I am facing the truth that sometimes people in my life make certain decisions that might, might cause me some pain, might cause me some heartache. We're told that Mary Magdalene at one point had in her life seven demons. I gotta tell y'all, this is the most interesting Mother's Day message I've ever preached. When a when, when preacher gets up with a microphone and says, hey, I wanna say happy Mother's Day, let's talk about demons. it's just different but my heart today is that there's someone who feels hopeless and I want to tell you with God all things are possible I want to tell you that with Jesus no one is without hope and Mary Magdalene at one time in her life she is tormented by seven demons now when we talk about Satan and the demonic and the realm of darkness, there are, seem to be two extremes. Some people, they blame everything on the devil. And then some people over here, they act like, well, just act like the devil's not real and he won't mess with you. Well, neither one of those are a, a wise and, and really understanding way of viewing the, the, the spirit realm. But the Bible does teach us that there is spiritual warfare. And there are things that happen in our lives that can't always be explained just in human terms. And actually, one of Satan's greatest tricks is to get us to believe that he doesn't exist. And then we will end up fighting the wrong battle. Some of y'all just, I mean, every time something happens at your house, you lose your peace. Everybody goes crazy. You break stuff. The cops get called. Listen, you ain't fighting like that because the kids broke something. You're fighting like that because there is an unseen enemy in your home and instead of getting mad at your husband or your wife or your cat or your dog, you need to go get alone with God and take authority over the enemy and say, God, I'm recognizing there's a spirit of strife in our home and this is the temple of the Holy Ghost and we're not going to allow the enemy to come in and steal, kill, and destroy in our home. We're going to have the peace of God here. You need to stop fighting the wrong battle. Stop fighting against flesh and blood and get on your knees and fight some spiritual warfare so that God can bring his peace into your home. If you don't know that the enemy is real, you'll always be fighting the wrong battles. Now, let's talk about this woman. She's got seven demons. I've been in ministry for over 25 years now, and I've had some encounters with people that I would say were either possessed Or greatly oppressed by demonic power. And sometimes that activity was brought on through their own choices. They chose to participate in a sin that opened them up to the realm of darkness. But oftentimes, my personal experience is that those that are tormented by demonic power are often the victims of someone else's sin. They were abused, they went through some trauma. Something happened that necessarily, it it wasn't necessarily by their own hands, but by someone else's hands. It wasn't always their mistake. It might have been someone else's. And as I reread all the scriptures about this Mary Magdalene this week with seven demons, I couldn't help but wonder what happened to this woman. What did she live through? What did she go through? That she got these seven demons. And over the years, there have been a lot of speculation about Mary. And some people have said she was a prostitute. But Scripture doesn't teach that. Scripture doesn't show us that. She was definitely from an area, Magdala, which was known for prostitution. But that doesn't mean she was. And I just begin to think, could it have been someone else's choices that subjected Mary to this torment? Torment. So I just wanted to look at her life this morning and say, how could a woman who lives through so much pain, how could a woman who has such a past, how could this woman rise to prominence in God's holy word and find herself being mentioned more than some of the apostles over and over and over again? We are repeatedly told about this gal. How did she find her way in the story of God? Why did God put her there? And what can we learn from her life? Well, let's look at another place she's mentioned in Scripture. John 19 and verse 25. It says, there she stood by the cross of Jesus. Or there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. This is the darkest day in human history when Jesus Christ is crucified. All of his followers had scattered and understandably they're fearing for their lives. So what do they do? They they run, They, they flee, they hide. Jesus hangs there for six hours, not surrounded by those he loved, not surrounded by the many people, think about all the people that he healed. None of them are there. Think about the 5,000. Remember when there were 5,000 and he fed them miraculously? All those folks, they gone. There's no no free meal, so they're not there. How about the blind eyes that he opened? How about the deaf ears that he healed? How about the lame people that he touched that they could walk again? They did not use their ability to walk to go to the cross to support him. They used their healing to run. For the most part, Jesus suffers without the support of those he loved, with the exception of John and three Marys. <laughs> three Marys, his mom, thank God for moms, his aunt, and this woman from Magdala, out of whom had come seven demons. And thinking what we could learn from her life, I see her here at the cross, and it just shouts to me that this woman has entirely left her old life and is completely clinging to Jesus Christ. This Mary is not half in and half out. This Mary has not just added uh, Jesus to her life like a trinket or a hobby. This Mary is all in. She is sold out, and Jesus Christ has become her life. And I think one of the messages that has been lost in the American church is the total transformation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have often come to the cross... And said, you know what? That looks like a a good thing. I kind of like those people. They've got good coffee on Sunday morning. They've got a decent band. And sometimes I can get myself a half a donut. And today they're even giving out a flower. And I think I'm just going to add Jesus to some of the other things that I have in my life. And one of the messages that has been lost in the church of Jesus Christ is that when you come to him, there is a total transformation that can happen in your life. And what we need to start preaching to victims of trauma and victims of pain is we need to let them know that nothing else on this planet gets to define their identity, that there is a Savior who loves them, that died and bled for them, and that offers them a brand new life. We need to to preach that message, that you don't have to stay the same, that, that you're not always going to be this way, that there is a God that saves And there's a redeemer that transforms. She sees Jesus. And when she sees Jesus, it changes the way she sees everything else, including herself. Here's here's the way out of pain. It's to fully embrace your new identity in Christ Jesus. That's the way out of pain. To fully embrace who you are in Christ. Some of us have been through some stuff. Some of us have had our lives greatly impacted by the sins and choices of others today I'm not minimizing that pain. I'm not telling you to pretend like it didn't happen. I'm not telling you to fake it till you make it. I'm not saying that at all. But hear me, brother. Hear me, sister. Brokenness is a part of the human experience. And eventually we will have to decide whether or not we're going to be defined by our brokenness or be defined by our Redeemer. And Mary comes to the place in her life that she does not choose to cling to her past, but instead she uh, clings to the cross of Christ. And when everyone else runs away, Mary stays. Why wasn't she afraid? Why didn't she run? I don't know, but I'm just thinking after what she'd been through in her life, there probably wasn't much that Mary was afraid of. When you've lived tormented by seven demons, you can probably look into the eyes of some Roman soldiers and go, boys, you don't scare me. When you've lived through what Mary's lived through, seven demons, y'all. I would have loved to have been there on that day. I would have loved to seen this woman go from darkness to light, from torment to new life. And after what she's been through, she's got no fear. She's like, "Guys, I lived tormented day and night. I'm not afraid. And here is the man—the man that you crucified. He's the man who set me free. And while everyone else runs, I'm going to be here. Mary stayed. That's what happens." When Jesus transforms your life, he removes fear, perfect love, cast out all fear. Mary had so embraced her new life that fear had no place in her. Now, this is not the only time we read about Mary in Scripture. She is one of the last people at the cross, but she's also first to the tomb. Look at Mark 16 and verse 9. It says, now when he rose, this is Easter Sunday morning, this is resurrection day. Jesus rose from the grave early on the first day of the week. He appeared first. Everybody say first. To Mary Magdalene. What? Out of all the people that he could have appeared to first, why this woman? I think the most apparent reason is, is that she was there looking. She found Jesus because she was pursuing I heard a preacher say this many years ago, and it stuck with me, and it's true. He says, we get as much of God as we want. Come on, somebody. We get as much of God as we want. We get to determine our pursuit of Jesus. Mary's there at the cross. Mary's there at the burial, and she's there for his resurrection. And as I thought about it this week, I thought, who better To reveal his resurrection to than a woman who knew what it was like to be raised from the dead. She had been living in death. And now she is raised to new life. Who better than a woman who had known darkness and torment and suffering. For him to walk out of that dark grave and reveal his new life to her. If there's anyone who's going to be a powerful witness of new life, it would be this Mary who has experienced her own resurrection. She knows what new life in Christ is all about. Now look back at verse 9 for just a minute. It says, when he rose, Jesus, from the grave early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, and here's this line again, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Now, she's first introduced to us like this in Luke chapter 8. Here we are now, all the way over in Mark chapter 16. And I'm thinking, how long has it been? <laughs> like, I, I don't know the exact timeline, but it's probably over a year. And this tagline is still a part of Mary's life. And I'm thinking, can't we shed this now? She's a new woman. She's got a new life. She's a disciple of Jesus. Can't, is, wouldn't it be time now to start calling her Mary, the generous soul? <laughs> don't you think she's proved herself? Can we drop this? But then I started thinking, perhaps I've been looking at Mary's tagline incorrectly. See, I've got to be honest with you and say that any time I read out of whom he had cast seven demons, I always kind of looked at it like Mary having a bad reputation, like her past is something to be ashamed of. Can you imagine what was said about her? First of all, everyone back then, everyone's named Mary, (laughs) right? So they got to say something about you to distinguish which Mary they're talking about. And so when they would say, oh, Mary, is that, is that that Mary? Seven demon Mary. Hey, y'all, can you imagine the, the stories they would tell? Like I was there and like one came out and then another one came out and another one came out. And another one came in and like, "Listen, I've been there for lots of people being set free. I never seen seven demons come out of one woman." And so what I imagined is like when Mary would maybe introduce herself, she would she knows what her reputation is and she might say something like, "Oh yeah, hi, I'm I'm Mary Magdalene out of whom become seven demons." Right? Like you, you. But then I started thinking, I'm like, it's not the character and nature of God. Cindy preached her mini-message here, and it's not the character and nature of God to just continually remind someone of her sin. So maybe Mary Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, maybe that's not Mary's reputation. Maybe that's Mary's testimony. Come on, somebody. Perhaps the Bible doesn't include this tagline to embarrass her. Maybe it includes it to celebrate her freedom. I used to picture her being ashamed of being called Mary out of whom has come seven demons, but maybe Mary is the too happy church lady. Come on, every church has one. You know, we got a couple around here. Look straight at me. They won't know we're talking about them. But you know, the person who's praising the Lord, hallelujah, all the time. Maybe Mary is the too happy church lady, and maybe she didn't come at somebody being embarrassed, but maybe she came as proud Mary. Hi! I'm Mary Magdalene. I used to have seven demons, but he set me free. He set me free. Glory to God, he set me free. Maybe Mary was a worship leader. (laughs) Church, every one of us has a past. Every one of us has messed up. Every one of us needs the blood of Jesus. But here's the good news today. We have it. We have it, and he's a God who is so generous with His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness. And you might be here today and feel like you've gone too far. You don't belong here with the rest of these church people. Oh, you got a new shirt on. I know you got a new shirt on. You look precious in your new shirt. But underneath, you are tormented. And I want to tell you today, there is freedom. The same Jesus that set Mary free can set you free. The same Jesus that restored her can restore you. It is His blood that washed her clean and it's his blood that washes us clean. Someone lift your hands and thank him for his mercy and his grace today. Thank him for his restoration power. Mary's tagline wasn't something to shame her. It was something to celebrate and every time it's mentioned, she's praising God for what he brought her out of. Perhaps some of us need to stop allowing our pain and our trauma and our mistakes to be a reputation that we're ashamed of and start allowing it to be a testimony of God's goodness. Come on, I can look back in my life and there's some things I'm not proud of. There's some things that I would not want shown on this screen. But I can also tell you that looking back, it feels like that was a different person feels like that guy's dead. feels like that's an obituary, not a testimony. How do we get past pain? How do we get past drama? We, we, we fully embrace our new identity in Jesus Christ. I'm almost done. John 20. I'm almost done, but Mary's not. Verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. She wept. She stooped down and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord. Can you imagine that? She had followed him. She had loved him. She had served him. She had given to him. She had worshipped. And she watched him die. Verse 14. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, same thing the angel said. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She supposing him to be the gardener. <laughs> why? why? Why did she think he was the gardener? I don't know. But my mind drifts real quick. Back to a garden in the book of Genesis where the first Adam disobeyed God, kicked open the door wide open for sin and pain and trauma and destruction and all that stuff to come into this earth. I, I think of that, that first gardener, but praise God, there is a last Adam, Jesus Christ, who in the garden surrendered his will to the Father, went to the cross, blessed. bled. For our redemption and set right all the things that Adam set wrong. You're glad that she thought he was a gardener. <laughs> he, he, he did something that the blood of bulls and goats could not do. He took his own blood to be our perfect sacrifice. She sees him. She thinks, I don't know who that is. Maybe it's just someone here tending the garden and watch what happens. She says, sir, if you've carried him away, Tell me where you've laid him, and I'll take him away. And verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. I'm telling you, I get goosebumps every time I read this story. She didn't know who Jesus was until he says her name. She had heard him say her name over and over and over again. And he says, Mary. And instantly she knows it's him. Look at verse 17. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. I love this. Jesus looks at a woman who was once bound in darkness. Seven demons controlled her life. She was paralyzed by fear, tormented by sin. And he looks at this Mary and says, Mary, I'm going to my Father who is also your Father. Friends, I hope you can see how powerful this is. Mary goes from being a demon-possessed woman to Jesus looking at her and saying, Mary, me and you, we got the same daddy. That doesn't even feel right, but it is right. That's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that the perfect, holy, righteous Son of God who never sinned can look at a woman who at one time had been tormented and controlled by seven demons and says, Mary, me and you, we got the same daddy. How many thankful for the grace of God today? That excites me. That excites me. Stand, will you stand? The series is called Lessons I've Learned, Mistakes I've Made, Lessons I've Learned. Here's our lesson today. In order to overcome the past, we must embrace our new identity in Jesus Christ. And in my heart this morning, I believe there are people here, you need courage to embrace that new life. You've been living confined by your reputation or what you think your reputation is. What you think people say about you has become one of the most important and powerful forces in your life. I'm going to say that again. What you think people say about you has become one of the most powerful forces in your life you've been living confined by that you've been living in shame shame that might have been brought on by your own choices sometimes shame that came through the hands of someone else been living in a prison of condemnation and some of the lies that the enemy tells us is you'll never change You will always be like this. You will always be what happened to you. But today Jesus is calling us to embrace our new life in Him. And there find healing for our minds, our bodies, our emotions, and our spirit. Can we pray together today? Father, I pray for any of us who are still struggling with five years ago we are still struggling with 10 years ago. God, I pray for any of us, God, who have allowed our past to dominate our todays. I pray that today we would lay those regrets, we would lay those mistakes, we would lay those choices, God, that did not honor you at your feet. Let a cleansing flow of your peace wash over this congregation today God cleanse the conscience Lord touch hearts and minds and memories Lord I pray for anyone who has suffered the pain of another's choices God would you touch my brother today would you touch my sister today Would you bring healing? Would you release them? Would you renew their minds? Where that pain has attempted, God, to define and become their identity, God, today, would they cling to Jesus? Would they find their true worth and their true self in the risen Christ? Would they embrace their new life? Today, if you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus, you're not a follower of Christ, you've never received this gospel message for yourself. Today is your day. Right there in your heart, if you know that God is calling you to a relationship with him, he's not asking you to fix yourself. He's not asking you to do anything in your own strength except surrender. Just tell him. Just say, Yes, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sin, God. Cleanse me of my past. I want to know you, Lord. I want to serve you. I want to be new. Friend, his grace is greater than our failures. His mercy bigger than our messes. Today, He offers you a chance to begin again. Bible calls it being born again. <laughs> Say yes to Jesus.